0: Welcome back, everybody, to another week of Friends from Work. I'm Robbie Earle. I'm Kyle Sconowell. And we're excited to be talking about yet another movie as we march on towards Endgame and our MCU rewatch journey.
1: Yeah, so we watched Iron Man 2 last night, but before we get started, I want to add to our leftover section, Rob. All right. So two things specifically from Iron Man one we were talking about the end of the movie taking a left turn and specifically the agents you know and uh, Obadiah knowing that the agents know
0: right right right
1: I I brought this up to my wife and she said something and I don't think it changes that the movie does take a left turn it doesn't change that for me but uh-huh. let's think about it a little bit more practically here for a second so Obadiah's plan originally was to kill Tony in the Middle East, right? With nobody knowing. So it looked like an accident. Then once he was shocked to find out that Tony is alive, he now has to adjust his plan to, I still want to kill him, but I have to do it in some way privately. Well, once Pepper finds out, It starts like a trail of panic as this is getting away from him, right? Because now it's like, well, now I got to kill Pepper and who's Pepper told, but it kind of comes to a climax when the agents show up at his warehouse. And I don't know that he was like planning on murdering all those agents at that moment. I think the plan was still use this technology to get comfortable with the suit. And if I can kill Tony and Pepper doing it and blame it on something else, great, but I still want to make the suit. Then once the agents like showed up and attacked him, they were there to arrest him. So I think at that point it almost catches him off guard and it can explain now the panic of like, okay, now I have to kill these agents and Tony and pepper. Right. So it's a little bit more of like a spiral, I think than a left turn.
0: Is that fair fair. to say? Yeah. And we hinted at that with it sort of being more than anything, Stain just kind of losing it. Like, he's kept his cool through the whole movie, and now he's just making poor right. choices. And But I guess yeah. I'm saying,
1: like, the losing it is a little bit more practical in hindsight than I, than I made it sound. Yeah. To me, it makes a little more sense. I'm just giving it a little bit of a bump up in my brain because I'm with you. It does take a left turn, but I could buy it a little bit more the more I thought about it.
0: You know, it's funny because I thought about that a little bit more and came to a different conclusion in that I feel like it's honestly – I don't think we get enough motivation – from Stain to warrant his attempt on Tony's life in the first place. Like, I guess we're just supposed to assume he wants to be in control of the company and, and he knows that Tony will always be in control as long as he's alive. But it's weird to me because it's like, we never get any reason why he reached that conclusion. Like, why now at this exact moment is he trying to kill Tony? Also...
1: Tony yeah, but then, is then you could just. Obviously, keep...
0: making the company super profitable. Like, what, at what point is he like, oh, you know what? I just want to be in charge. So I'm going to murder somebody just to have. I mean, I guess it's a power hungry thing, but that's just the classic fallback villain motivation that is I not know. super compelling to me.
1: I agree. But I was going to say, I think that you're just supposed to buy that it is a power struggle, you know? Uh, my last leftover thing was I just yeah. don't think I pointed out enough, didn't spend enough time on Yinson's death. And I just want to say, I thought that actor did amazing. And the more I thought about it, I was I was kind of bummed I didn't bring that up. I think he did amazing. And it's one of the more heartfelt scenes for me personally in any of these, especially phase one movies.
0: Right. No, I agree. I really love that so scene. So just a, and-
1: a shout out to him. And and we always talk about how Marvel doesn't do deaths very well. And so, so far, this is like the first significant, if you would call it significant, death we've gotten, really.
0: Right. No, that's fair. So shout
1: out to Yinsen. <laughs> shout
0: out to Yinsen. Uh, I also have a leftover, but it's, it's not from Iron Man, but back to Captain Marvel, because that movie is apparently the gift <laughs> that keeps on giving. Here we go,
1: here we go again. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, we promised to address the after the credit scenes in Captain Marvel and whether or not they should be watched oh, in this yeah. viewing order, uh, which is a big thing, especially if we're talking to first-time viewers um, and I think that generally the answer is going to be no when you're talking about showing someone the movies this way. However, I think if you're re-watching it, which I imagine is, is going to be the bulk of the folks that are following along with us, I think that watching that scene is actually kind of fun if you look at it as sort of a, a bit of foreshadowing. Um, just because, I, I don't know, I think it's sort of a fun thing because it really doesn't give anything away about what's happened in Infinity War Endgame. Basically, all you know is that something really bad has happened. And then you see you see Carol showing up with Steve, who you've already met at this point in the rewatch order, and then some other folks who you're going to be introduced to soon. And so I think it's kind of a fun thing as you're marching through the order to have that scene in your brain and be wondering how it's going to mm-hmm. come together.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Okay, do you want to get into it?
0: Yeah, no, let's get into it. I'm ready. Let's talk about Iron Man 2, which was released on May 7th in 2010. So just about two years after the first Iron Man. Um, in between those- f- Still before Captain America. Still before Captain America and Thor. We, um, we actually had the only film that had come out in the MCU is the film we're actually going to be talking about next, which is The Incredible Hulk, which came out just a few months after Iron Man, actually, uh, in 2008. Um, This film, again, stars Robert Downey Jr., Gwyneth Paltrow. Now, instead of Terrence Howard, we have Don Cheadle, and we have the addition of Scarlett Johansson, Mickey Rourke, Sam Rockwell, and Samuel L. Jackson in a much larger role. Um, Interestingly, this movie, though it was released, as you said, before um, Thor and Captain America and after The Incredible Hulk, Marvel has come out and said that it's supposed to take place During the same week as both Thor and the Incredible Hulk, so
1: oh that I did not know.
0: Yeah, so it's actually it's what makes this order, which you know, is largely chronological with some slight tweaks, uh, makes sense because you see at the end of the film, whenever Tony's kind of having his last debriefing moment with Fury uh, on the screen, they're showing clips of the Incredible Hulk fight that takes place at the university um, yes, during that movie. Yes, I paused
1: the scene, Robbie, and I was trying to note wherever they had like those significant locations marked right on the map.
0: Yeah, yeah. Did you notice that? I did.
1: They have like Wakanda on there. Yeah. They got something in New Mexico, which has got to be Thor's hammer. Yeah. It looked like they had something up in like Norway and then London area. I thought that was kind of cool.
0: Yeah, no, I think it I is I never cool. noticed that. I mean, and that's one of the things that we'll get into here in a moment. Iron Man 2 is it's often criticized for being too much of an Avengers setup. Um, the, the criticism is that the studio and John Favre were kind of wrestling over what movie it wanted to be uh, with Favre wanting it to be sort of a, a loose adaptation of maybe the most famous Iron Man story in the comics, which is demon in a bottle. Uh, whereas the studio really wanted it to set up the Avengers film, you know, understandably. And so, I think you do get a lot of moments like that where they're trying to start to make this world feel a little bit bigger, which I think is really fun.
1: So, that's one thing I'm actually really excited to talk about because I think, in general, this movie was not uh, reviewed very favorably. It's towards the bottom of most people's lists. Yeah. Um, Often, at we the just bottom. looked up a list where it was. Yeah, at the very bottom. And I'm excited to talk about this because this is one where I kind of like your Captain America, just generally disagree yeah I don't really have it towards the top but it's like a second tier movie for oh, me. oh yeah so, so I'm actually really low. excited to talk about this really okay well yeah I, yeah so maybe this will be the first role reversal <laughs> but so I want to start with something Robbie a little unique then because of that okay because obviously I'm kind of opposite of Iron Man 1 where most everybody reviewed it favorably so almost everything we have to say about it is good right Um, I want to start with my bad just because. I actually like a ton about this movie, so I'm just going to address the things that I don't love to start. Okay. Okay? And then I'm going to defend it. Okay. Obviously, the biggest bad, the thing that didn't work, is the villain. And I want to have a bigger mm. Marvel villain talk with you. Oh, and I yeah. think this is a good time to have it. Yeah. First of all, I saw this meme, and it made me laugh out loud. But basically, it was saying, like, have you ever seen those memes where it says, like, no one, and then it leaves it blank, and then they fill in the next thing with somebody? Right, right, so it said, like, no one, blank, and then said, every Marvel villain ever, and then it says, Tony Stark looked at me wrong one time, so I'm going to murder everyone he knows and everything he loves. And it's like, (laughs) when I start thinking about it, it's like, gosh, they've played up this villain of Tony Stark has pissed off so many people that half the villains in the Marvel universe just want to kill everybody because of Tony Stark, because of (laughs) one little thing. But I was like, dude, think about it. There's an absurd amount that fit that bill. So yeah. this is kind of yeah, the low, the lowest of the low villains for me because it does that to like an extreme. Yeah, Really, we're meant to buy that Tony's dad worked on a project with a Russian guy and that went south. And so that guy moved back to Russia, then spent the rest of his time as an alcoholic in a rage so much that it, it got his son in so much of a rage that his son's life goal is just to murder Tony Stark. I'm like, yeah, come on. So that's a little bit intense. And hold on. One other thing. Yeah. This movie struggles with the most, uh, stereotypical. Every time we see bad guy, the film says, this is bad. John, right. bad music. John, dun dun John. <laughs> I'm a bad guy. I walk really slow. I don't look at any explosion. It's like an extreme of that. It's like I'm gonna stand in the corner and not talk. He's got tons of tats. Right. He's he's drinking alcohol. He's. It's just like the movie's just screaming. This is your bad guy. Right. And so I'm kind of like, okay, come on. So that is a huge knock for me. So that alone yeah. makes this not a tier one movie.
0: Well, so it's interesting. I End of rant. No, no, no. I'll, I'll go even further in that I think a bigger problem that Marvel has with villains that it still hasn't entirely shaken even now is this tendency to just make villains a, a slightly different version of whatever hero they're facing and this drives me crazy because it's it feels kind of lazy to me and i get that it's it's hard to have good villains but all through phase 1 i mean we're going to see this again next week when we look at the incredible hulk almost every villain you ever see i mean if you march through red skull is just a dark version of captain america basically right iron monger is just a dark version of iron man Whiplash here is just another person using Tony Stark's technology in a different way and then ending the movie with a giant kind of Iron Man suit. And then again, in Incredible Hulk next week, we'll see that show up as well. And that just, it, it bothers me because it's like, if it feels like a missed opportunity and it makes the, the final moment, it always seems, tends to play out in the same kind of not super interesting way. Also, with this villain, I mean Mickey Rourke is in some ways. It's kind of fun to watch him just be so weird in this movie. It's such a strange role, and it's such a strange casting decision. And all of it is just. Well, I,
1: I don't. I don't think he plays it terribly. No,
0: I just think the, the the role itself is terrible. No, I don't think he plays it poorly. I just think it's a. It's yeah, you're right. It's a strange role. I also have some practical issues with the Whiplash character in that one. Okay, his, his big reveal in Monaco, right, which already has a lot of logistic issues because
1: so many. he must
0: have assumed that Tony Stark was going to wind up on the track, which is a weird assumption to make because that was a very <laughs> right. last-minute call that everybody was very shocked by. <laughs> right, so, except for him. Right, apparently. so I don't know what he was initially planning to gain unless he was just thinking, okay, well, Tony Stark's going to be Maybe at this place just- and I'm going to come make a yeah. big show and then Iron Man will confront me, which I guess is fair. Um, but here's my other big thing, you know, the issue with, with him and Iron Man is that he's able to, you know, use his, his whip things to kind of hurt his suit and, and nearly disable his tech. But the thing is the guy is just shirtless with these weapons. Like you don't need (laughs) to wait until Iron Man gets there. Literally any security officer could just shoot this guy and he would be down, immediately
1: yeah just shoot him in the face <laughs> like
0: anywhere like anywhere it's like he's not at all protected and so it just was funny to me because everyone's like oh my gosh what do we do and this is the monaco grand prix where you have a ton of the richest people in the world the security is obviously going to be insane and it's funny that it's like oh we don't know what to do against this guy who is just not in any way
1: <laughs> armored it, it, up it, it, it the the villain doesn't work and for me that at least right there off the top takes like 10% off. So right away we went from 100% to 90. Right. And now I'm still working down. But like that right away is a huge like it just it doesn't work.
0: I I feel like I'm just not giving this movie a break, but whenever they finally do give him armor there at the end to kind of remedy the the situation that i've just described it's also just super dumb looking to me and that final battle is very anticlimactic and
1: and can i laugh at something else too yeah why at the very end if you notice he's got both of them by his whips he takes his helmet off right why would you ever take your helmet off in that setting because he just needs his face to be shown i guess you would never do that yeah they're about to shoot missiles at you leave your helmet on right also like Another part that fails is like, yeah, the reveal of, oh, there's another guy in the suit. This is already third time. Right. It's not, a, it's not some like cool shock. Obadiah was in a suit. Now Don Cheadle's in a suit. Oh, and here he goes. He's in this suit. Right. You're right. It's a mirror of Tony's technology. And It just gets exhausting. It's dumb. Okay. There's a little bit of that, that chemistry question I raised between him and Rhodey where when he comes to Rhodey and says, I need you to be a part of this. Uh-huh. There's a little bit of that scene again with Pepper in this movie. And it's a really funny scene. But when he brings the strawberries to her, he's trying to talk to her and tell her that he's dying. And I a little bit have to suspend belief that he can't ever say that. Like, I get that there's personal things and that's their personality. But I do think in real life, Pepper would at least listen to him for more than 60 seconds.
0: Uh, See, that doesn't bother me because... The last scene that we've gotten from Tony and Pepper, he was just a a total moron and awful, and so I think he is coming back in, not even super gracefully. And and I, I think the point is, even then, when he's sort of supposed to be apologizing, he's just kind of talking about himself more. So she doesn't know really what he's getting into. I mean, I, I, you're right; he could just say, you know, here's the thing: I've been dying and everything's been crazy, but I don't I don't think that's Tony's character. So. I buy it. Okay, I buy well, it. Well,
1: I, I mean, I I love them both, so I buy their chemistry. I just sometimes I'm like, okay, that's a little extreme. Like, get out of my office, kind of thing. Okay, and maybe it's just an overreaction on Pepper's part. I guess. Right. This is my last thing. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. I do feel a slight step back, like we said last week, in chemistry with Rhodey because it's a new actor. I I, I eventually am going to love Don Cheadle, right? I, I think he does a good job, but I the chemistry between the two of them does feel like a teeny step back only because it's a new person. Yeah. Um and one sorry, one last yeah, yeah. practical thing. I guess we're just supposed to buy that the second Rhodey gets in the suit, he just knows how to control it all. So, I've There's
0: thought There's a little about bit of one.
1: practical suspension of he just knows how to fly, he knows how to shoot his blaster. Uh, Come on. Yeah.
0: Well, no, I'm with you. And that used to bug me. That's a that's something else that doesn't bother me as much because I think what we're supposed to assume is that Rhodey – in maybe whether it was in writing the report for the military or just kind of working with Tony I've always just assumed that at some point Tony's kind of shown him how the technology works and that they like as friends have have kind of discussed it or he's you know I or he's even maybe been in a suit before I don't know but
1: Think about how ridiculous this conversation we're having is. Like, we're able to buy the fact that there's wormholes in space and aliens <laughs> that fly through it, and and suits that can travel across the galaxy, which are hundreds of thousands of light years away. Right, right. And we we buy all that, but I don't buy that his friend can just learn how to do it right away. Right. Or like, I have a friend who is so practical brained that like you can buy the rules of star Wars. Like you buy it. There's the force and all this, but then when you break the human condition, part of the rules, that's where we draw the line for my friend. It's like, I can get on board with the Avengers, but there's just so much property damage that happens. Right. My- like there's so much property damage <laughs> right. that they would have to clean up in New York, but they deal and with that. that's just funny. I know they do. I, that's why I, and I love, yeah. oh, gosh, that's why I can't wait to talk about Spider-Man. It's just kind of funny. Like, I can suspend my belief on some things, but I can't suspend it on yeah. that Tony's blaster can be controlled, his level right. <laughs> of blaster. No, yeah. My, so I get yeah. that the whole point of this is ridiculous. I get it, but...
0: So let me let me hit really quickly the things that I didn't think worked about this movie, and then we can move into what you liked. Does that work? Yep. Okay, cool. Because um, you've covered most of them. I would say, um, kind of what I was hitting on earlier, the demon in a bottle story that I alluded to earlier that I think... John Favre and and the writer Justin Theroux are trying to adapt here um, is basically the moment of Tony recognizing that he's an alcoholic, that he's not fit to be Iron Man. It's a really dark storyline, and it actually ends in the comics with Rhodey taking over as Iron Man for a while. Um, Obviously, that's not something that, that Marvel wanted to do right as they're trying to gear up for the Avengers. I do kind of like the way that they adapted it, Given those constraints, however, I feel that that storyline at times is like only very loosely connected to the Avengers setup storyline. And sometimes those things work together. Sometimes it feels so tenuous that the movie just feels a little bloated. So that's my what didn't work, is I think that what a lot of people come away with this movie thinking is just that that was just a lot. There are a lot of characters. There are a lot of plot points. There's just a lot going on. To go from the first Iron Man, which was super sleek, and really accessible to this which is just kind of a lot to take in last thing and this is the one of the biggest problems that i have um maybe only second to mickey Rourke's villain i just i feel like the creating the new element thing just doesn't quite land for me kyle
1: no, I agree. I'm not going to fight you. I didn't write that down, but I felt that the whole time. I And every time I get to that scene, I a little bit have to, again, suspend belief. I had the conversation with my wife. Does the practical nature of it bother you?
0: So that, that to your earlier point, is something that I just... I tend to be okay with the stretching the the limits of scientific reality thing, given that we're in superhero movies. What I think kind of bothers me about it, weirdly... Is the way that it all comes about with this idea that that Howard Stark had sort of discovered this new element? But That's what
1: I mean. But but he was limited, and he put it in basically like a diorama. Right? Why? <laughs> like, why?
0: Why would he ever put it in the diorama for the expo? Like, how would he ever know that the expo would come back?
1: I know. Why not put it on like pieces of paper in hidden files?
0: Right. And and put it somewhere where Tony would. My ask. wife
1: said. My wife said it might have been. You know, he was in a technology race at the time. And so he wanted to be secretive about it. Obviously, there's other ways you can be secretive about it.
0: I mean, and be, but, and, and I, like to me, that is a very important discovery that you wouldn't want to be like, well, it's more important that no one else gets it than it is that my son actually finds this. And so to me, it's like more likely than not, given the way that he went about conveying that, Tony never would have seen it, which is just hard for me to swallow. That, and not, right. not only did he hide it, he hit it in just a really weird way that isn't, it wasn't a cool reveal. It's that moment to me has never been a cool reveal. It's just strange. And it's strange that, that Tony kind of inherently knows how to transform that into a, into a model.
1: Well, I do think that the best movies, including the movies in this Marvel cinematic universe are the ones that don't ever force you to suspend your belief to the extent that you are bought into the universe that exists right and they don't break those rules and so it's funny a lot of these things we're talking about fall in that category of it pulls us out of the movie because of some things that i'm like wait what you know the new element scene is one of those things i agree like it's it's one of those things where you're like wait a second that's that doesn't make sense and right some of these movies do this perfectly where you never feel that you know this one
0: I think as, You feel it a few times. As long as you play by the rules that you've set, I'm always fine Correct. with it. No matter how crazy Correct. those rules are, you know?
1: Correct. Correct.
0: Yeah. And it's something that to me, again, I've never made a film, but it seems like those kind of things are easy to avoid. I, I, I just think, I think that's something Marvel's gotten better at, I think especially with some of the later Avengers films. I think they've given a lot of... I think that they've really started looking at these movies through the lens of a very over-the-top fan community that is going to dissect every single element. And they're now kind of armoring themselves to that. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that that that's a huge fault. Really, that is the fault of this movie and in just a lot of different ways. But let's...
1: My, wa- my wife commented on, man, Tony's poor house. Like, that house right. has gone through so much damage. Right. <laughs> it's such a nice house, and it's been ruined. I know you're, okay, your buddy I'll, would not let's enjoy talk that. About, uh, no, the property damage. All the things that I liked, because all those things knocked the movie down in my head, but I actually like a ton of it, and I know I'm in the minority.
0: Okay, give First it to of me. all,
1: Justin Hammer is amazing.
0: Oh, I'm with you there. He's
1: so funny. He acts his part amazing, and I wish we could find a way to bring him in more later in other movies. That's how much I like It's him. so
0: funny you say that. That's literally what I have written here. Same Rockwell. Well, and... Yeah, he knocks it's it out of the park. amazing. I mean, he's
1: knocks it out of the park, and I want to say that, in general, I would say this is maybe, like, a top five funniest Marvel movies for me. This is like a. I belly laughed a few times, and uh, yeah. he's a huge part of that. He is somehow Sam Rockwell finds a perfect way to fit into John Favreau's like banter thing. Yeah, and so it just enhances it. You get between Happy, Robert Downey Jr., Pepper. And Sam Rockwell, between those four, you get just an unbelievable amount of quippy lines that make me laugh.
0: No, I'm, I'm with you there. And I think one of the things that I, so one kind of interesting tidbit is apparently Sam Rockwell was initially considered an audition for the part of Tony Stark for the first Iron Man film. Um, oh,
1: you could see how that could work. Oh, for totally. Sure.
0: And I think that what's going on here, from what I've read, is that, and you, I mean, this is sort of obvious, that. Justin Hammer is supposed to be kind of the the like B-minus version of Tony Stark. It's the
1: diet Tony Stark.
0: Yeah, yeah. And I love that he leans into that and it's so yeah, it's so funny to me. I even like one of the lines that just cracks me up is whenever they're in Monaco and he puts his arm around Tony and Tony's like, "Oh god, it's so <laughs> awful." <laughs> and, yes. and Hammer says, yes. hey, "Hey, it's for the kids."
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I love when he keeps like, going like, we, we, we joke, we joke, right, you know, right, we're just, right. we're, what, what are you writing down? We joke, we're friends, you know, what's for the kids. And,
0: <laughs> I, and, I, and I love the, I love the line uh, at the expo at the very end where he says the press is about to have a whole new problem. They're going to run out of ink. And it's just like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool and it's like
1: two claps. Right. Yeah. It's so different from Tony Stark. Like
0: it's so, I love it because it's like such a way that all of it, it's like, it's just, it's just slightly off from Tony. His
1: weapons demonstration is one of the other best scenes in the movie. When he's like giving the whole spiel on all the weapons and they're not giving him anything. Yeah. Oh. This yeah. Is yeah. The bunker that will bust the bunker underneath the bunker you just busted. Right. If it's so smart, read write a book and then it read it to you. Right.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, I. I love it. He. I'm glad you said that because I, I really do. This is one of the better performances especially in the early phases of the MCU but really in general because I just I think Sam Rockwell is from
1: a side character. Oh
0: yeah. I mean but he's just a fantastic actor. I mean he's he's obviously been recognized as such especially in recent years, but I think he adds so much life to any to any role and adds so much to any film he's in. And this is, I feel the exact same way. I think one, I would love to see him brought back just because I love Sam Rockwell. But two, I would love to see the character brought back because I think it's a really interesting character. And and you do actually, I think this is something that we haven't gotten into yet, but I kind of want to talk about a little bit next week as well. This early phase of the MCU, I don't know if you've seen these, Kyle, but they would do these Marvel one-shots. Have you watched those? No. So... They tried it for a while. It's it's one of the things that hasn't really stuck as they've moved along. But this was the same kind of phase where they were doing Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and kind of linking in some of the Netflix Marvel shows. Um, and all of that's kind of gone to the to the wayside to some degree. But um, the one-shots were these like DVD extras that they would release that you can now find on YouTube and are actually kind of worth watching because they were meant to bridge some of the gaps, like, kind of like post-credit scenes, but longer. So there would be like these five to 10 minute uh, little videos that sort of flesh out the story. There's one, um, I believe, after Iron Man 3 that we'll talk about more in detail uh, then, but a part of that video, you actually do see Justin Hammer show up, uh, which is- I, Oh, perfect. Yeah, which I guess is, is you know, at, at that point, which is still a long a long time ago now, but he was still sort of in the background of the universe. So yeah, I would love- I would love to in have In phase him show four, up.
1: they could do an Easter egg about Justin Hammer. There's no Tony Stark anymore. Like it'd be kind of funny just to have like an Easter egg of him in there. Totally. Okay. I also think in general, the movie for me is not only funny, but it's just entertaining. Now I have to give a caveat. I am a diehard Iron Man fan. So I am biased towards the Iron Man movies right. being better than others just because I, I enjoy it. This is one of those movies where I struggle with I don't think the movie as a standalone film, if I had no, you know, disposition to it. Is great, but I just I like it for some reason. I like rewatching it. The whole thing to me is entertaining. Justin Hammer falls under that. Yeah, the chemistry between Pepper and Tony still falls under that. Happy falls under that. Gary Shandling, rest in peace. I think does a great job with Senator Stern, and that's fun. The whole courtroom scene is hilarious and fun to me. Yeah, in fact, I enjoy watching it more than some of the other movies that are. I'm gonna almost need to rank higher if that makes sense.
0: No, I I just I like it. What's interesting about this movie, and in some ways I would say that the first Iron Man film is the same way, is that I really love the writing, and I think the writing is much stronger than the plot. Yeah, agreed. I think that, you know, part we talked about how much of, of the first Iron Man was improv and I think it kind of makes sense because y- you just love the interactions between the characters, Even even though you know, like some of the problems we had with the villain, which is obviously a huge chunk of the plot, there here I think you have bigger plot problems that I think are are more pervasive. But the writing is super snappy and really consistently fun, and I think that's what you're getting at. Why it's just fun to watch, even though after the fact you're like, ah, that feels like not not a great movie, but it was really fun to be there for.
1: Yeah. I mean, if you focus too much on the plot, you can definitely get bogged down. You wouldn't write home about this movie, but some, but the dialogue and all that stuff is still there. No, I mean,
0: you're right. And some of the best Tony Stark dialogue that we get, especially in, and this is one huge pro that I have for this movie is I think it really shores up Tony's character as like kind of an asshole, which I like because I think that you need that as you're going into Avengers Because I think if you had just left it off at Iron Man and then you see him next time in Avengers, he's not really morally that far off from Steve Rogers. But I think in this movie, you see, okay, what does being a superhero look like when you are like an egomaniac? And that's what it shows you.
1: I like that this movie... You know, Yinsen, when he says don't waste your life, incepts this idea into his brain that I don't want to waste my life and I want to stop selling weapons on this. But I like that this movie focuses on the practical nature of defeating those demons and that it's not just like an instantaneous thing. He still is losing himself in this struggle. Right. Of what do I do? And that I like that. And I agree that it does set him up to be a jerk at the end, which would make it fit better. And it ultimately Makes his redemption more powerful too.
0: Yeah, no, I agree. I think, in that sense, the setup for not just the Avengers film, but also kind of everything that comes after, I do think this movie does a lot of good work there. And again, just I, I think that it's a really, this is one of the only, the only movies I, I think I might be missing something that really deals with the life of a superhero right? Like, if you think about it, he's just been propelled from being an already celebrity to literally probably being the most famous person on the planet. And he just doesn't always handle that very well, which I like. Like, I feel like you don't get a lot of that in the MCU moving forward. And especially with someone like Tony, I mean, and you see that kind of show up again and the way that people feel about him in Far From Home, like people that have worked for him. Like, even though we all love Tony, I like the idea that there's some basis for people kind of hating him. Right. Even though it's it's very fun to watch, I'm not saying it makes him into a villain or anything, but I just like that it adds a lot of new... This movie adds a ton of nuance to Tony's character, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, and I think that if the first movie does a good job of showing some of these things, this movie does a great job of enhancing how damaging his narcissism can
0: be. Yeah. We see the yeah.
1: alcoholism and we see like the sex addiction or the girl problems, but this movie does a good job of like showing how much he's damaging his relationships by being such a narcissist. Right. And it sets up that going forward, it's something he's always going to have to work through. Even in the end game, he has to like make a conscious effort to put himself not first.
0: Oh, Totally. Yeah, and I love seeing how these kinds of things will show up again in Age of Ultron. But think about
1: this: he he kind of burns a bridge with Pepper in this movie a little bit. Yeah, he kind of puts happy, you know, second rate. He definitely gets into arguments with Rhodey because he's a narcissist. And then the cherry on top is kind of the fun scene at the end with the Avengers Initiative recruitment thing. Yeah, him reading all the things and he's arguing and it's funny and it's quippy. It's Tony, and then he reads classic narcissist, and he's like, "Agreed," right? (laughs) And moves on. But that whole scene's fun,
0: too. No, I mean, I, again, I just want to... Kind of what I was saying last time about the the special kind of connection between John Favre and, and Robert Downey Jr. I I was watching this again with that in mind and how much I just love that the tone that Favre sets. And it kind of made me think, and we don't have to go into this a ton right now, but we can maybe revisit it down the line. In some ways, the sort of lighthearted... Um, but still substantial feel of these movies makes me think that John Watts, you know, who directs the Spider-Man MCU films is kind of John Favre's spiritual successor in some ways. Interesting. I think in terms of like kind of getting that intimate feel, like what we're talking about in terms of getting to know Tony well, kind of getting in his head, like as I'm thinking through the Marvel films as a whole, You know, it's funny because the MCU, you know, they've obviously been trying to set up Spider-Man, at least up until now, as sort of the next Iron Man in some ways. And so maybe it's an obvious comparison. But I just think that that's one of the things I really love about those movies. And I'm not sure you really get movies like the Iron Man trilogy again until you hit the Spider-Man films. I mean, do you agree? I think that's
1: fair. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. John Watts does a good job of capturing those little nuances of Spider-Man of Tom Holland's performance in the same right. way. Right. Yeah. So we already talked about kind of a lot of the things in this movie that are like big and foundational with Tony's character and with the Avengers setup stuff, but right. there's a few other little Easter eggs I caught that are fun. Yeah. And I I love how much now in hindsight Endgame references these first couple Iron Man movies. Oh, there is totally. still going to be a lot of ties that I didn't realize. One of which and I can't even remember the context of this, but I remember that Tony and Pepper say, it's you, it's always
0: been yes, you. Yes, yes, I wrote that down. It's whenever he names her, it's when he names her CEO.
1: Yes, which obviously, you know the tie of that. Right. In Endgame. But um, I love the other little Easter eggs in this movie, like um, Nick Fury says, I got bigger problems than you in the Southwest region. Yeah. Obviously a reference to Thor, that's kind of fun. Right. Um, And... How cool and symbolic is the scene where Coulson is in his garage digging through the stuff and he pulls up that prototype of Captain America's shield?
0: Yeah, I love and that. And it's a
1: really it's a really funny moment where he uses it as leverage to level out his machine, yeah. and I'm reading too much into this. But what a cool symbolic thing, too, where Coulson finds this shield that represents Cap, right. and Iron Man's like, oh, perfect, perfect, that's just what I need. And he kind of like leads him on, only just to kind of shove him underneath the machine as leveling. Right. I don't think they intended to do that, but I do right. think it's kind of a cool symbolic thing. Uh, foreshadowing of that relationship. Right.
0: Right. Which is, yeah. I mean, you could take that even further and say that even though he's trying to shove it under, he still needs it and needs cap. Kind oh of, boy. You know what I mean?
1: That's deep. That's deep. Um, <laughs> now we're
0: getting somewhere. <laughs> and speaking of, cause you know, I've got to do it. Um, you brought up Colson. I've liked this viewing order you for Colson's story. Coulson. I've you loved love it.
1: Love Colson. Here's
0: the thing I, I didn't. And this is, this is one of the things that, I think it works really well. What happens with Coulson in the Avengers <laughs> film, but I think it works a lot. But like right now, the just the way we've watched it, the way we've been introduced, I like Coulson a lot more. I care a lot more about Coulson than <laughs> I did whenever I watched these in, in release I'm order. I'm just
1: laughing because you've brought up Coulson at every I've chance gotta, you can I've get. I've got to do go. it.
0: I've got to do it. I'm not gonna have that many more opportunities. We're we're you know we're approaching the finish line here for Coulson's story. But I really, I, like I will that. say I,
1: I do 100% agree because for me personally, when Coulson dies in the Avengers, my connection to him was so small. I, I really right. didn't feel it. That was right. not a moment for me that really moved me. It may help with this context, I watching think, it this order. Yeah.
0: yeah, I just, I think that it's, it's intentionally building him. And kind of as we're talking about things that are foundational moving forward, uh, I also really liked the entrance of natasha i I like the way that they introduced that character and i think it's really oh thank you for bringing that up i i I, like i was thinking about this this is really with the exception of winter soldier which i guess is a pretty big exception one of the only times we see her in kind of undercover mode which i like a lot so i mean whenever you're looking back on on who black widow was prior to the avengers obviously there's a black widow film coming out soon Although even that I think is supposed to take place around Civil War. But so this is really the only the only time we're seeing that happen. And I, I like it a lot. I think it's really fun. Scarlett Johansson I'm, plays this with a certain kind of uh, joy that I like a lot. She's having a lot of fun, obviously. And uh, it's really compelling.
1: I'm so sad that I almost moved on from that point without bringing it up. I have that written down. I agree with everything you said. Um, it's kind of fun to see her like do the flirtatious spy thing because we've seen hints of that to other characters, right? But it's fun to like witness it happening to Tony. Yeah, yeah. She plays it with a joy, and you get funny and f- fun moments too. One of the funniest moments in the whole movie is when she flips happy in the boxing ring, yep, and yep. Pepper screams, "Oh my god!" Like <laughs> it's a great moment. But then it's really cool to me that they bring her in this early. All the way back in 2010, they had her be a big part of this, you know? Right. And then finally the reveal of when she's actually going to beat up a bunch of dudes. Right. Um, It maybe is a little cheesy, but it's kind of awesome. I love that they make her like badassery to 100% there.
0: Yeah, I think the choreography is Such a fun scene
1: when Happy's like, I got him. You know, you got the one one after we just saw her. Yeah, exactly. And then like, they're trying to do this a little bit kind of tongue in cheek because she pepper sprays the last guy. Right. And that's a really funny moment. Yeah. So almost everything about her, is a huge plus for me on this movie.
0: Oh, no, I think it's a huge win, and I really love the original introduction of Natasha, and I, I just, yeah, I like the the way that they're setting that character up.
1: To tie it all together, Robbie, is that when you brought up that there was a little bit of a struggle in this movie between making it the demon in the bottle story versus making it as an Avengers setup, Right. what's interesting is we probably wouldn't have gotten Natasha in this movie if it wasn't for the Avengers setup stuff.
0: It's Oh, no, totally, and, and honestly, like, I think while generally I, I would say I would side with the director versus the, the studio and those kind of struggles, I like a lot of the Avengers set up in this movie. I just think a lot of it seemed—sometimes it, I just I, I think you've got to pick one. But one other thing I would say about Natasha that I liked a lot, especially as we're looking down the road, is you're right, this idea of her kind of doing the spy thing to Tony and sort of pulling one over on him. And I love—there's this line whenever they're in Pepper's office— and you're a after, triple
1: imposter. Yeah. <laughs> I've yeah. Never yeah. Seen it
0: he's like, you're, is that the you're line? Good. yeah, well, yeah, no, it's, it's in that like string. He's like, you're really good. Is there anything real about you? Oh, and then, and then it made me think of that line in civil war, you know, where they're talking and he's like, wow, it must be really hard to shake the whole double agent thing after she lets, uh, Bucky right. go. Right. And I just like that Ouch. a lot. Like a little, like, you know, it's like the, the way that their relationship is beginning, and kind of continuing because you never, I mean, you never really see Tony and and Natasha get very close. Right, right, right. And speaking of Natasha and speaking of uh, Winter Soldier, another thing that I really love, you know, we've talked about how future movies kind of go back and make older movies more fun. I love knowing that Senator Stern is with Hydra, which we find out in Winter Soldier. And kind of how that affects his motivation for wanting to get his hands on the Iron Man armor all the way back in Iron Man 2. I think that's really cool and kind of fun in terms of the relationship between the government and S.H.I.E.L.D. and uh, this sort of superpower technology. Yeah, true. There are a lot of Easter eggs and just fun things in this movie. It's one of those things where, while the movie itself does have a lot of problems, it's a really fun step in the evolution of the universe because I think this movie on its own more than really any other solo film, at least does a ton of, of world building.
1: Then with that in mind, I'm really excited about revealing our rankings on this because okay. we talked about this, but I, don't, I really don't know where you're at with this at all. Um, I thought that overall the acting is really good. The dialogue is still amazing. There's obviously some massive concerns with the villain and some practical uh, suspension of reality, suspension of belief that I have a hard time doing. Um, but overall, I just find it funny and entertaining. Okay, so by the way, the movie has a 73% uh, critic score on Rotten Tomatoes and 72% audience, which was so kind of crazy that they're almost identical again in the 70s. Um, I originally had it as a 77, and I'm wow. going to move it up to an, to an 80%. Wow. But I enjoy it that much. I might even controversially swap it with another movie, which we haven't gotten to yet, on my original rankings. It's going to pass, like, three or four movies on this
0: viewing. Wow. Wow. Okay, well, yeah. I, so mine is... It actually came down a little bit for me on this watch. I, uh, I originally had it at 76, and I'm going to bring it down to a 72. Okay. So it's not, it's not, that, you know, it's not crazy low. We're not
1: so far off. I just have it as like a tier two movie towards the bottom of tier two,
0: you know? The the, the biggest difference for you and I, and I know that you're not ranking them in this way, but I have this as number 20 of 23.
1: Yeah, that is a bigger difference. And maybe our scales are just slightly shifted. I'm going to start doing what you're doing, just so you know. Right. Knowing that the list can still be fluid as we go forward, right? So you're still moving them around as you I go. Am, I correct? Am. And
0: and even sometimes through the week, you know, like I did with Captain Marvel, which by the way, I, I think I said it, it's up to number 16 out of 23 now. So I think I am kind of I'm waiting. I'm I'm only moving movies that we're watching after we've watched them. But I think by the right. end of this process I should have what is my my current most accurate ranking list. So Yeah. Wait, so do you have this below you have this below Captain America or above? This is
1: no above Captain America
0: for wow. sure. Yeah. Wow, Kyle,
1: man. I just like Iron Man so much. I like I said, Captain America is probably a better movie, but I just I like it. This is more entertaining. I have yeah. more fun watching this movie than I did Captain America. I, I'm
0: more. I'm actually really excited for us to get to get into Civil War in a in a while down the road because I I really like this sort of Cap versus Iron Man dynamic. Yeah, it's right, right that's so
1: true. We kind of have it going on here, yeah. Okay, so next week is Incredible Hulk, which is such a weird outlier, but we're doing it. We're watching <laughs> hey, it's, Incredible it's, Hulk next week, right?
0: Yeah, it's there. And, and that's another one of those things that I was referencing earlier where Marvel was obviously trying to, to basically reboot that character in The Avengers, although they still make reference to it it is canon. Kevin Feige has Barely. said as much. The first release of all the Marvel Phase 1 movies that came in that crazy package included The, the Incredible Hulk. It's in there. We've got to talk about it. I'm actually really excited to talk about it because this movie is weird.
1: Yeah, so we, I, I can't <laughs> wait either. That's a good teaser right there. Weird. Come back <laughs> to listen to us break down a weird movie.
0: Okay, so that's what we have to look forward to next time on Friends from Work. See you all then.
1: Hulk out. <laughs> <laughs>